Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hey everyone, Sarah here. As you listen to our episodes recorded during the 2020 global pandemic, just a friendly reminder to check the date stamp on when that episode was released. And we'll also always tell you when it was recorded as well in the show notes and in the episode itself. Things change so quickly these days, including recommendations for health and safety, as well as just our own thoughts and feelings. So you may hear things that feel a bit dated if you're catching up on older episodes. Just know that we're experiencing this in real time, just like you, and that we're working really hard to follow the latest recommendations for the safety of our families and our communities. We're also working hard to bring you timely, relevant podcast episodes in a world that's changing really quickly. So just a reminder to listen with that context. Thanks for being here, friends. On to the episode. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 255 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So I feel the need to say what day it is when we're recording. It is <laughs> yeah. Sunday, April 5th, a couple of days before this comes out and you all are hearing it. And that just feels kind of relevant right now. We've been trying to stay up to the minute with our episodes. And but gosh, if you went back and listened to one of our episodes from just a couple of weeks ago, it would sound super dated because we're dealing with something that's like rapidly unfolding right now. It is. And I feel like this last month has been so strangely long and short at the same time, like Yesterday, like yesterday, it feels like all of this started coming to a head. But at the same time, it feels like about three to four years ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This month has been long and short. Time has no meaning. It's been really strange. Yes, that is so true. And so we're, we are making an effort to kind of point out uh, when we're recording this, both in the episode and in the show notes. And, you know, if you are the type of listener who likes to catch up in the, or, you know, listen in the future to older episodes, I think that will still work. Today, we're doing listener questions. Um, I think, you know, these are parenting topics that will continue to live on. And at the same time, I just feel some kind of responsibility to orient you all in time because, yeah, a couple of weeks ago in March, we were, you know, sharing stories about what things were like in our communities. And that's totally different now. So it is right. It's it's important, I think. We're And we're all learning in real time along with everybody else. So 
Um, yeah, so I think that it, it's good and hopefully things won't change much more in our communities in the near future, but we really don't know at this point. So it's all emerging. It is emerging. Um, and so today we are taking listener questions. Thanks to everybody who called them in, left your voicemails. Um, we have a couple that have to do with the current global pandemic situation and a couple that don't. And I think all four have takeaways that, you know, will extend beyond this time. So it's one of our favorite things to do is to answer your listener questions. So we will jump right into those after the break. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. <laughs> and I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, so our first question today is from Allison, um, and she's got a question that I think is on is heavy on so many people's minds right now. And that is working from home with young kids, which is challenging no matter when. But now it's like everybody has to do it all at once, which has created, I think, new challenges and some opportunities. So here's Allison's question. Hey, Megan and Sarah. My name is Allison and I live in Norton, Massachusetts. I love your show. My question today has to do with quarantining and working from home with young children. Do you have any advice for managing the day-to-day -day of working from home while also taking care of a one and a three-year-old, three pets, trying to keep the house somewhat clean, 
and not pulling your hair out in the process? Because at this point, I may have no hair left at the end of all of this. Thank you. Okay, Allison, like we are so here with you. Mm. Uh, Sarah and I have both worked from home with, you know, various ages of small children, babies, toddlers. And I think the one biggest takeaway I had, especially at the age of your kids, is that I kind of had this idea that I could balance every day that like each day I should come to the end of it and feel like I had spent enough time on the kids, enough time on work, enough time on the house, enough time on self-care and myself and my relationships and all those things. And I think what mm-hmm. I finally realized after many years of struggle and, and having an expectation that just wasn't realistic is that balance really looks more like over a month yeah. than a day or even a week sometimes. So you will have days when it seems like all you're doing is like tossing snacks at the kids while you're doing a conference call or hiding in the closet to place the call. And then there's going to be other days when you can walk away from the computer for a while and where you can pay closer attention to what's going on in your house. Um, And then maybe you're going to have a day when you can spend tons of time cleaning or you'll have these little bursts of energy that you didn't see coming when you can get a lot of household stuff done. So just, I guess, give yourself a pass and realize that trying to fit two or three jobs, uh, you know, running the household, taking care of your kids and doing your job all into one day, every day, all at once with no training, no easing in, just like all of a sudden this is your reality. That is a big undertaking and probably not really possible for anyone to do well every single day. Yeah, I love that. I love that advice. Um, And the first thing that came to mind for me was lower your standards. And then when you think you've lowered your standards, give yourself a real gut check and probably lower them again. Now, this is kind of like, I I think sometimes we get the wrong impression when you hear lower your standards because we want to be good moms. We want to be good at our jobs. And actually having high standards can sometimes be an asset. Like I am someone who holds myself to high standards and sometimes that helps keep me sane and functioning. So I don't mean let it all go and don't care about anything. But I think sometimes, especially if you have an achiever personality, you have to work hard to push back against yourself and say, is this really necessary? Am I, you know, and we're, we're facing this enormous global challenge that nobody's ever dealt with before. So I think we have to, I think that little voice that says, is this really necessary today? Like is, is the way I did things before by having, you know, less screen time or nutritious (laughs) snacks, is that, is it mission critical? So, um, that would be my one thing is to just like invite that little, like person on your shoulder to just question that at every turn. Is there a way I can let myself off the hook here and, and keep, keep asking that question. Um, because Sarah, not to interrupt you, but I think that it's really important to keep in mind that this is going to end. mm -hmm. It might not be, you know, in two weeks, but even if it's four months, like let's pretend like worst case scenario, this is reality for four months. And I haven't heard anyone project that, but I'm just throwing that out there. What is the worst that could happen if in four months, these things don't get done. Your kids have more screen time. Your house falls apart a little bit. Like, yeah. So to your point, it's not only even just like lowering your standards, but this is a short term lowering of your standards. Mm -hmm. It's not forever. 
It, it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, another suggestion I was going to have is because I am very routine oriented and that's, that helps me in a lot of ways, but it can mean that I have a hard time thinking of new routines or thinking that I could do something differently. So you may want to consider what your day looks like. And it sounds like it's been stressful. It's, it sounds like it's not working the way you want it to. And think of possible chunks of time in your day that maybe in the past you would never have used for work or for cleaning or for cuddling with your kids, but now perhaps this block of time maybe makes the most sense. So if you are Mm -hmm. someone who never worked at night because you prefer to like have your glass of wine and watch your show, like I do, you know, in for four months to use your block of time, Megan, maybe you get an hour and a half of work done every night with a cup of tea instead of your show and a glass of wine. And maybe that makes your days less stressful. So like, I guess just, um, again, it, for those of us who are routine oriented, it can be hard, but think of the blocks of time in your day that um, I'm sure you're being very productive and I'm sure you're like on roller skates all day and, and working and, and, you know, hustling all day, but maybe there's a shuffling of the blocks of time that could relieve some of that pressure. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And uh, maybe you also just hold on to the stuff you really don't want to do. And then you do have the glass of wine. Yeah. <laughs> And you do like the mindless tasks at the end of the day, but make it pleasurable. That is yeah. another little trick um, work at home moms, I think, um, often employ is to kind of group and batch the like monotonous or unpleasant stuff and then link it with something pleasant. Yeah, um, That is something I have definitely done over the years. And I also want to point out that this time is such a challenge, but there's also such a great opportunity here. This is unprecedented because everybody is in the Mm -hmm. same boat as you. I mean, executives, upper management on down, everyone right now is having to grapple with how hard it is to balance life and kids and work all at once. And no one really is exempt. I mean, you almost can't buy your way out of this. (laughs) So like, it almost doesn't matter how high up you are in the company. Like your boss is probably also dealing with disruption to their schedules. They're having to learn new things. Your team is probably also has people on it who have kids at home or maybe have other responsibilities that um, elderly parents are taking care of or pets that won't stop sleeping on their computers. There's like all kinds of funny memes going around about, you know, like the cats that won't stop climbing on people's computers. But like everyone's kind of in the same boat. So I think it's important to remember you don't have to do the same job that you were doing yeah. at the end of February. Yeah. You're doing a different job right now and you don't have to do the same level of work you were doing in the office. And you also don't have to be the same level of mom that you would have been after five o'clock Correct. on a Tuesday or on the weekend a month ago. You, this is a very different scenario. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yes. Um, I have two more really quick things. Um, one, I don't think Allison mentioned her partner or co-parent. Um, if you have one who's supportive, you know, earlier and more often to ask for help or clear the air about what feels in unequal if it does feel unequal Mm. or what feels like, um, again, just like you might reshuffle your blocks of time. Maybe you reshuffle the way that you, um, co-parent or the way that you, you know, both work. Um, so that would just, that's just one thing. And then my final tip we've been, um, the kids and I and Brian have been journaling every night and we write down the best thing of the day and the worst thing of the day. And, um, but I think it would be really helpful to write down the things you got done in a given day, either work or personally, and just make it a quick and dirty list because we're so as moms, we so focus on 
the things that remain yet to be done or the things we didn't get to or the things that we really didn't, you know, meet our standards for that day. Um, but just keeping a log of the things you did do, um, I think because yeah. you are getting stuff done. It just feels terrible right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, should we move on? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So we have a question from Julie and this one is not specific to COVID-19, but something that we get questions on quite a bit. So let's listen to Julie's question now. Hi, Megan and Sarah. Thank you so much for sharing all of your insights over the years. I have a question about siblings sharing a bedroom. Our house only has two bedrooms. So we knew that this was going to happen when we had our second And our friends had said that their kids generally liked sharing a room, so we hoped for the best. But we just moved our six-month-old daughter into the same room as our two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and it has resulted in multiple middle-of-the-night wakings where one screams at the top of her lungs and then wakes up the other. And we're just not really sure how to deal with that. So I'm wondering if you have any tips or insights for making it easier for kids to sleep in the same room or any other considerations that maybe don't revolve around sleep that we just haven't encountered yet because our kids aren't old enough yet. So thank you again and please stay healthy. Okay, Julie. So um, both Megan and I have had kids share rooms and we've talked about it on the podcast before, but the first thing that came to my mind when I listened to this is that six months and two and a half is still really little. And I don't mean like too little, like you shouldn't have moved them in together because that's, I think it can totally work, but there it's really little to make a judgment call on whether this is like a good long-term plan or not a good long-term plan because at six months and two and a half, both kids are still working out their sleeping patterns. And when you described the like one waking the other up and screaming in the middle of the night, I was having like palpitations, like sleep is hard (laughs) enough with an infant and a toddler and then to put them in the same room. So I guess, first of all, to, to um, just validate that this is like, this is challenging and lack of sleep is super hard for everyone. Um, And I guess then my advice would be, is there something that would work in the short term so that everyone can get the rest they need? And, and if that looks like moving the baby back in with mom and dad or some other alternative solution, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have your kids share a room down, down the line. Cause there's, I think there's so many different phases and so many great parts of kids um, sharing a room. And you might find that when they're one and three, it looks totally different. Just six months from now, four months from now, I'm just going to keep using four months, Megan, it's my, like the next block <laughs> of four time. Months. Yes. Four things are going to be di- very different in four months. Right. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree, Sarah. So nothing is set in stone. And, and what actually is funny is when I first read the, like the write-up of this question, I read it as six years and two and a half. And I was like, oh, that kind of sounds hard. And then when I listened, I was like, oh, six months and two and a half. Like that's the hardest because you've got a a six month old baby is kind of coming out of what can sometimes be a bit of a honeymoon phase where they finally learn how to fall asleep at night. But then they like almost regress a little bit. There's Mm -hmm. there's often that kind of going toward the second half of the first year. And then you've got a two and a half year old and all bets are off. Like right. they're, they're still kind of a toddler. I mean, they're kind of and coming toddlers out of that phase. regress a lot actually, especially when yes. they have a new sibling. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not like the way it's going to be forever. Um, and I was just thinking about the many, many, many different arrangements we've had. <laughs> musical beds. Ha- musical beds from having, you know, switching up which siblings share with which, um, putting living, uh, the crib out into the living room or the dining room, putting a, uh, slightly older kid on a sofa because they couldn't sleep in a room with anybody else. 
bringing them in with mom and dad. Like we had people moving all around. And I just want to point out that it might seem unorthodox. And we have this very American idea about the fact that like kids are supposed to sleep in a child bedroom or a private separate bedroom. But that's kind of like a 20th century social construct. Mm -hmm. Like it's not something that has been required by cultures throughout history in order to thrive. Right. So it's not like your six month old baby needs that right now or that your two and a half year old needs that there to experience that like their entire lives to create these good sleep habits and to learn how to sleep in the same room with another person. And so I totally agree with Sarah when they're one and three or maybe it takes longer and they're two and four or who knows what this could end up looking like. But if you can just have the flexibility to move them around in a way that makes sense to you uh, now, I think you will find that they settle in at some point. And it's way better than everybody suffering now. And then like them not getting enough sleep and creating bad sleep habits around that. And yeah, so like the goal is everyone sleeps. Yes. You know, especially number one goal. (laughs) Yes, especially the short term goal. um, Yeah, because you're you're in the thick of it right now. Um, I thought I'd offer just a couple of things as you look ahead to when this is like maybe a more successful, quote unquote, successful uh, arrangement. A couple of things. Um, I think a two and a half is maybe not quite ready, but by three years old, definitely ready to have some routines where they know what to do to not wake the baby. So like, I'm again, I'm, I wouldn't expect your two and a half year old to do this, but it won't be very long before you can maybe, maybe have a tiny little switch light by their bed. Um, and maybe there's a rule about if you wake up and you need to go potty, or if you wake up and you need mommy and daddy, here's what we do. And then you practice and you train them and you say, you know, you turn on your little light and it's just a little light. So it won't wake the baby. And then you tiptoe out or you, you know, call on the monitor, whatever, like whatever your routine is, a three-year-old can really help be become responsible in that way. And it's amazing what little kids will do. Like we always talk about Megan, like in preschool classes and stuff, when what you can train little kids to do if it's part of the routine. And so that could look like a lot of different things. They could have a little light and a little basket of books by their bed, but they can start to be responsible for not just intentionally waking the baby. Again, I think that's a, that's a longer term goal to shoot for, not necessarily something you would expect on day one. Um, and then white noise is always a good friend of ours. White noise can buffer out a lot of even stuff across the room. Um, and, and little things like that. Um, I know families where mom or dad will lie and go to sleep even with one child in one room and the other parent in the other room. And while that sounds like not ideal for a partnership or a marriage, again, it's short term. So your, your solution might even look like one parent and a baby in one room and another parent and a toddler in the other room. And I know people who've done that for a few months at a time because it's the way that everybody gets the best sleep. And then guess what? You move on and you move into the next phase. Absolutely. This is not, um, none of this is permanent, even though it may seem like that. And I think that it's really tempting to think that you can just start something and be like, okay, now we're setting it in stone and like it's cemented and this is how it's going to be moving forward. And that I think, especially with children who are about two years apart, like you're going to find yeah. those, they, sometimes they sync up and sometimes they just don't. Did you ever have, um, kids who slept through ever, like, did you have any of your boys who shared rooms who would sleep through anything? Cause I have one sleeper who mm. has slept through, um, smoke alarms in their own bedroom. And it's just so funny that some, some kids remain light sleepers and some remain heavy sleepers and some kind of go through phases, but I'm I just- have two who are very heavy sleepers who <laughs> yeah. are, who really they can sleep through themselves getting up and peeing on the wall. So they're such good sleepers that they don't even know they're doing that. So yeah, I had two of them and it was actually the two middle boys 
Okay. So that I had like bookends of like more light sleepers. Yeah. So, but even that sometimes changed. So like the one, the, the couple that really slept hard when they were older were not as good of sleepers when they were little. Which oh, interesting. Is interesting. Yeah. I think yeah. that does take a little while to settle in. I'm just thinking like yeah. it would be really lucky if you had like a baby, like the, if the younger one was yeah. just one of those super sound sleepers that just slept through anything. But it sounds like what's going on in Julie's house is a full blown, like waking, waking each other. Right. Up. So exactly. that's gotta be, yeah. Gotta, and I've been through that too. That. That's no, that's no fun. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so our next question comes from Andrea. And the question really centers around something a lot of us are experiencing right now, as does another question in this um, in this section. And, and it's about having to cancel things. And can I just really quickly... Um, just validate how disappointing it mm. is to have to cancel things, even if they're small. And I've, I've seen a lot of um, stuff on social media that I think is supposed to be making us feel like motivated or something and optimistic about like how much harder our grandparents had it and stuff, because like, I don't know yeah, that they like had they harder hardship and we yes. get to sit on the couch yeah, and all we have yeah. to do is stay in our house. And I don't, find that sentiment to be particularly helpful because 
sometimes doing nothing is harder, feels harder or as hard in the moment as doing something A and B, who, it's not like the, I don't particularly want to play a game of like who has it harder. I agree. Olympics. It's it, to agree. me, it's just very unhelpful. And I think actually it does the opposite sometimes of what it means to. So I was thinking about this when we were talking in the first half of the show about the struggle of working, about it being difficult to work from home with two little kids. And then the counter argument that you see a lot is, well, yeah, you get to work from home and not everybody does. A lot of people are on the fr- front lines and first responders are having to go out and leave their kids. And so, and I think that's meant to create empathy or, or create a sense of purpose. But I think anytime that we're pitted against one another, or it turns into this competition or contest, I think it actually does the opposite. It's, it's somehow like doesn't foster that empathy. So no, I guess it makes everybody me, defensive and going to the corner, right? If everyone yeah. feels like they're allowed to have their feelings, whatever those feelings are, then we have our feelings and we can feel human and we can feel connected to other humans. And I think that gives a, puts us in a, a better position to support those who might be in a different position. So yes, a hundred percent. I totally agree. You can be disappointed about missing a birthday party and at the same time have, have a larger perspective for what's going on in the world right now. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive. I don't think. I totally agree. Okay. So that's a great setup for Andrea's question <laughs> and then we will answer it. Hi, Megan and Sarah. Um, I am the mom of a three-year-old boy, and I was just wondering if you have any advice for celebrating special days when you can't make them as special as you were hoping. Um, My son is turning three on May 5th, and I was hoping to do a big uh, trip and take him on a steam train. And of course, now that has to be canceled. Um, I know that um, Clara's birthday was right at the beginning of all of this. Um, So I thought maybe you guys had some advice on how to like make those days special when maybe you can't make as big a deal out of them as you were hoping. Thank you so much. I appreciate everything you guys do. Okay, well, Andrea, thank you so much for remembering that Clara's birthday was at the beginning of all this, because honestly, I feel like her birthday got completely lost this year. It was the day that the world shut down. Yeah, it truly was like the day that the school, they announced the schools were closing. It was a day, I remember very clearly the night before that because I had gone um, to a restaurant and I remember thinking, it's so weird right now. I kind of think this is the last time I'll be doing this Mm -hmm. for a very long time. And then the next day, it truly was like everything just changed. And um, she turned 11 that day. And I still think of her as 10. Like Mm -hmm. to me, the birthday almost didn't even happen, which is really weird. But it was like so much was happening. And her dad and I are trying to like, like scramble to, you know, figure out, are we going to celebrate her birthday and how we're not going anywhere? So how are we going to do that? And I just feel like in all the talk and things starting to shut down, it just got completely lost. So I just want to acknowledge that. Yeah, that is very true. And thank you for, and thank you for acknowledging that because that that meant something to me. Thank you. Um, also, we had to cancel our trip to California, which was yeah. supposed to start tomorrow. And that makes me really sad. And that was supposed to be her birthday gift. So the nice thing about her being 11 is that she can really deal with delayed gratification. And everything is so weird right now that they're almost like she almost didn't even notice her birthday got lost because everything is weird. And so we're just going to plan a redo later. But for a three-year-old, you're in a bit of a different situation that is both um, opportunity and challenge. One of them is the three-year-old has very simple needs and you know, you can make this special for your three-year-old, no matter what you do. 
However, you are mm-hmm. totally entitled to feeling disappointed for not being able to celebrate his birthday. Um, but at the same time, you can also probably de- deal with some delayed gratification. So I th- almost feel like you can do both. You can figure out a way to celebrate his birthday on the actual day in a way that's going to feel really special to him on that day. Um, and I know, Sarah, you're going to talk a little bit more about this, but I've seen all these cute stories about the way people are celebrating kids' birthdays with drive-by birthday wishes mm-hmm. from you know, people who don't get close, but just drive by and yell happy birthday or do something special in the yard or video conferencing um, or just keep it to your nuclear family. We've done that many times. And then maybe that allows you to go a little overboard with the theme or the cake mm-hmm. or the gift. Um, there might be some opportunity there to really kind of go the extra mile, especially if you're all kind of home anyway. Yeah, and there's not a lot of time. Right. Yeah. You've got the time and there's not a lot of um, extra other stuff happening that would distract you from that. But then you also have the opportunity in three or four or five or however many months that things go back to normal to then have a redo. And so maybe you could almost look at this as the year he gets two birthdays Mm -hmm. and put that like positive spin on it. But I would feel I would just remind you that a three year old would probably be thrilled with like five dollars worth of toys. Mm -hmm. It's it's really more about probably the expectations that you have and the, and the hopes that you had and, and what you were looking forward to around this party. And maybe it's more a matter of just postponing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, we did get to go to a drive by birthday for a neighbor who turned eight last week and everybody decorated their minivans or their SUVs or like hung balloons out the window or whatever we had on hand. No, you know, nobody went to the store for this. Um, and we, we synced up our cars and we drove around the block and drove by and I almost got teary, like looking at this little girl in her driveway with her mom and her brother and her grandma. And it was really, it was very sweet. Um, again, that was about, that was a very mom reaction that I found it poignant. The kids are just like, cool. Like, you yeah, know, cool. All right. So I, yeah. I'm glad you made that distinction between processing this as a mom of a three-year-old and the three-year-old's perspective. Um, just a couple notes on gifts. Um, I have really been trying to think about local businesses and small businesses, um, Etsy and, um, Jane.com, which is an affiliate partner of ours. Um, both of those, uh, put together like curate lists of makers and artisans and they have toys and games um, on those sites and then your local toy store uh, you can call and they might do a curbside pickup again check what the recommendations are in your area and obviously you have to make your own decisions on health and safety but it might be an opportunity to shop differently yeah at the same time if you need to do Amazon because that is what's easy for you and it, that's what gets him the you know the PJ masks like Lego set that he really wants. Like, I Mm. I think that's fine. I'm right now. I am totally doing a mix of Amazon and target deliveries. And then also trying to think about ways to support local businesses. And that's just what I have. I I find myself vacillating between the two and that's what I have the headspace for right now. So that's just a note on, um, shopping. Um, Allegra is the end of April, which is just kind of a bummer because by the end of April, we will have been in our house for six weeks by the time her birthday rolls around. And I don't think anything's going to have changed. So it's not only in the middle of shelter in place, stay at home. It's like six weeks in. Um, so I'm already thinking about that. She'll be 12. Um, and as we were actually planning to address this question, I had this thought, like, maybe this is the year everyone celebrates half birthdays. Like you said, like delayed gratification, but 
Um, I, I don't know. I think that might be kind of fun. Like I would totally throw a, a party for Allegra in October when she's 12 and a half or, or if she really wants to, and it's sooner than that, like who cares, but maybe half birthdays, yeah. let's make half birthdays a thing this year, like do over yeah. birthdays. Um, so for hers, I'm not sure what we'll do. 12 is kind of like you said with Clara, it's kind of like there's, there's advantages cause they're a little older, but it's also kind of sad. 12 is such a, like, you know, go to the movies with your friends, kind of tween, right. tween age. And, you know, she will have been at home with her family for six weeks at that point. So yeah, I'm thinking ahead to that one. Um, and then we've got an early June birthday and I, I don't really, I don't want to speculate <laughs> at this point. If you're listening right. well, to remember this. I was throwing yeah. out the four month thing just yeah. so that I don't get, just so I don't set my expectations too high. And I'm right. sure that that is like, I'm, I'm, Something I think will probably have gone back to some semblance of something looking more like normal. But also, I mean, everyone says kids are resilient. And that's such a it's such a silly uh, yet totally real and true mm -hmm. thing. But I would say even resilient isn't even the word that I'm thinking of now. It's adaptable. Mm. Like the kids have already just in two to three weeks, like everything has changed. So Adding one more change on top of all these other changes, it's really going to be okay. And I think giving them something to look forward to is fun. Um, and I think giving them something, you know, just it, that just them knowing that we didn't just brush this under the rug. It's not like it just didn't happen. Yeah. It goes a long way. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. I agree. I'm ha it's helping me to think about looking back at this, like put myself five years or 10 years or 20 years in the future and look back at this time. And, you know, it will be a birthday that everybody will remember. Your three-year-old might not remember their own, but you'll remember the way you celebrated. Um, and so that it's not ideal. It's not what you thought, but right. it is still your, it's still a celebration of your child's third birthday. And it will be one for the memory books in its own way. So, yeah, agreed. Well, on that note, our next question is similar, and this comes from Vanessa, and she is a first-time pregnant mom who already listens to our podcast. I'm always so kind of touched and also surprised. Um, so you're just doing your homework so well, Vanessa. Right. <laughs> um, she is going to have her baby, I think she said in July. So let's listen to her question, um, which is kind of along these same lines. Hi, Megan and Sarah. Love your podcast. Started listening when I found I was pregnant last year. So my question is, I'm currently 25 weeks pregnant at the time I'm recording this with my first. I'm due in July, but with the coronavirus pandemic happening, originally my baby shower that I've always envisioned was going to be mid-May. <clears throat> now it's looking like it may be later or even no baby shower. Some friends have suggested doing a virtual shower, which... I'm not sure if I'm into just because it's not the typical baby shower I've always envisioned with my first child. So if you were in my shoes with your first pregnant with your first child during this time, what would you do about a baby shower? Thanks. So, yeah, not the baby shower you were imagining for sure. And I think it's totally important to acknowledge that that just stinks. Um, I guess the first thing I thought of when listening to this is I would really try to stay open to the idea of something virtual, even though it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel fun. I can hear in her voice. It doesn't feel like what she right. wants. Um, but for a couple of reasons, one, um, your friends and family may really want to find a way to make this special and they really might get creative with it. Um, I think I know not that you have to do it for them, but I think we're all benefiting right now by getting creative with the Internet and finding ways to like 
make these things possible virtually. So it might be it might be a really positive and meaningful thing for the whole group to come together virtually, even if it's not your first choice. You also might get some gifts that you need. Yep. <laughs> so, so I guess um, I know it's a mindset shift, but there can always be an like a sip and see or a come and meet the baby or some party with all of the in-person touches and decorations um, that can always happen in four months or six months. Um, but I don't think that means that you have to skip the virtual option. So I guess I would, from my vantage point, and you can take it or leave it, I would encourage you to stay open to letting them put on something virtual for you and just see where it, see where it goes. I would totally agree. And, you know, Sarah, you said maybe this is the year for half birthdays. I'm going to say maybe this is the year for two first. Yeah. Like maybe yeah. this is the year everybody gets double of everything. So the thought that came to my mind is, yeah, plan two events, have that preview baby shower. You get to have some kind of celebration. Your friends are going to feel really good about it. And it's not going to be traditional, but it's going to be special in its own weird way. Like um, the first week we were all ha- had the stay at home order. Uh, I went to a virtual birthday party and it was weird. But I remember <laughs> thinking, this is kind of cool because I think he re- the guy recorded it, I'm pretty sure. Oh, cool. And then had this like, I think it went to like one in the morning. So he <laughs> had this sort of, you know, record of people popping in and out of a, a Zoom teleconference or video conference uh-huh. to talk about or to, you know, give him birthday wishes and chat and all that stuff. So I thought that was a weird but cool thing. Um, and then later you can have a party with the baby and, and, and also let's just say, yes, you can get some of those gifts and supplies that you need right now. But then when the baby is here, you could do the baby meeting party. And I honestly think those have a ton of benefits. Like the, the baby photos are going to be adorable because you can include the baby Mm -hmm. in them. Right. And you get to kill two birds with one stone because you can show off the baby to lots of people at once and get it kind of over with, which is sometimes a little stressful and challenging those first like six to 12 months after you have a baby and you don't want to have people in your house every weekend. Um, and if, it, if that one is also a gift party of some sort, you'll have a better idea of what you need, uh, how big your baby is and how fast he or she is growing because that can sometimes create, like if you get a bunch of newborn clothes at your, at your shower, you may find that your baby never wears any of them as mm-hmm. we've talked about before. So I do think that there is a way to kind of, I don't want to say milk it. I'm just saying the optimist in me wants to say, like, just go for all of it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the year of the twofer. I agree. The year of the twofer. <laughs> and I, I mean, I think this is similar to what I said in the previous question about the three-year-old's birthday party. But you are going to look back on this is part of your pregnancy story and part of your birth right. story. And it's going to be crazy to look back on this time, um, historically, there's going to, there's so much that's going to come out of this. So I'm not trying to do the silver linings thing and tell you like, Oh, it's, it's, this is, there's a good part to this. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying that it like it or not, it is a part of your baby's birth story and your pregnancy story. And it's not, typical. It's unique. Um, and so I think if like having been a mom for 12 years, like looking back at my own baby shower pictures, like someday you will look back and be like, wow, that's, that's what the world was like. And And so it's more of maybe an honoring or respecting that you don't have to like it. I'm not trying to like do the silver linings thing, but it's still part of your story. And I think 
mm-hmm. honoring that and, and maybe coming to accept that might open up um, even some enjoyment in these parties. Okay, so our next and final question is from Allison. And this one really isn't COVID-19 um, specific, but it, it's still particularly if you were home right now at a time that you hadn't been um, this topic, it's about naps. And it is something that I feel like is one of those just classic mom topics that, you know, we like, it doesn't matter what's happening around you. Naps and the dropping of naps will always be an issue. So Mm -hmm. let's listen to Allison's question. Hey, Megan and Sarah, this is Allison. Uh, I've been listening for about two and a half years and I always look forward to podcast days with you guys. I've got a question I was hoping you might be able to help me with. I'm a mom of two, a three and a half year old girl and a 21 month old boy. I stay home with both and they're with me all day. In the last few months, my son has gone from two naps a day down to one. My daughter does still lay down for rest time where she does typically sleep a bit, but I know I'm lucky that's still happening and it won't be that way much longer. I did used to have some overlapping times with naps when he was a two nap schedule for my son, but now that he's down to one nap, there's really not too much of an overlap and I find that I don't have real breaks during the day. I thought it would just take me a time to adjust to this new normal, but instead of adjusting, I seem to just be getting burned out by the end of the day. I'm really struggling with some things, behavior issues and little annoyances all seem way more amplified and difficult to deal with. And I don't always deal with them well. Um, I've lost my cool more times than I care to admit. And I sometimes just kind of find it hard to enjoy time with my kids. I know self-care is important. I'm trying to find ways to focus on myself after they've gone to bed, but I find it just hard making it through the day without a break. Do you have any advice on how to kind of quickly recharge myself during the day when my kids are awake so I can avoid feeling so burnout? Well, first, I have to point out the symmetry that this was not planned. But our first question and our last question today both come with Allison from Allison's. They both have to do with having like a, a toddler and a preschooler, a toddler and a baby. And in a, in a in a way, they're like the mirror image of each other. So our first Allison is trying to work during quarantine with two littles. And our second Allison has been a stay-at-home mom from the beginning. And I think what's at the heart of this question is when naps have been your built-in time for rest or recharge or reset for a number of months or even years, and that goes away, that is like the rug getting pulled out from under you because she's a stay-at-home mom. So she's been on with these babies. Yeah. Um, and so I just really remember this. And I also had kids who nap. She said, so her three and a half year old, I think is still resting, but not for long. And I totally had kids who napped up until around three and a half. And then you see that going away. And you've also worked so hard to like sync up a baby nap and a preschooler nap. It's like, that's really hard work. It takes like a year to get to that point. Yes. And you finally have it. And I think what I noticed is it was almost like a Pavlovian response. Like my brain knew when to go into rest time or me time or mom time, whatever you want to call it. When the babies were sleeping, I I trained myself. You know, I had my snack or my computer or my book or whatever. And when that's taken away, it's it's feels like the rug's been, you know, taken out from under you. So I do have a couple specific thoughts. Um, one is that you're really close at these ages to your kids starting to be able to play together for short bursts of time together. And every sibling pair is different. I remember, you know, about one and a half and three and a half or two and four. Not, I'm not saying like for hours they're going to play together and leave you alone, but you will start to see little 
little pockets of time that's not nap time anymore. It's awake time, and yet they are playing and they don't need you. And it's amazing how it starts in five or 10 minute bursts, and then it gets a little bit longer. So while you're in the beginning of that phase, I would just really encourage you to have a couple of ideas for things that you can do when that moment presents itself. And I was really bad at this because because I worked during nap time and I had my things that I would do during nap time. If the kids were all of a sudden playing nicely together, it was like I didn't know what to do with myself. Like I didn't have <laughs> I didn't have um what's the word that means like not relaxing, but like a, a recreation. I didn't have a recreational yeah. default. Um, and so I would really encourage you to get a recreational default. And it could be something as simple as like a stack of magazines that are just for those little moments that you can open up and flip. Or if you're like if you're a crafter or a maker having an embroidery or a knitting project that's right there that you can reach for or having a book that's not like a not a boring parenting book, but like a, a good book that's just for you. And I think this does two things. One, it keeps you off your phone from just scrolling because we know like the kids start playing, we start scrolling and all of a sudden they've played for 30 minutes and they didn't need you and you didn't do much but scroll. So it, right. it gives you a replacement activity for that. But it also trains your kids that mom sometimes just does things for her own enjoyment. And I can't tell you how valuable that is for kids to see and for you to practice. So I think maybe you might be at the end of naps, but you also might be at the beginning of having kids who play together or play independently. Maybe they're not playing together, but they are each doing their own thing. Um, and so I would love to see you Find your recreational, like your little, you know, like toddlers have like a basket for when the, you're nursing the baby. You need yes. like your basket. You need your, your mom's yep, fun your busy basket. basket, your busy basket. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you need to, you need to challenge yourself to go to it when that moment presents itself, because otherwise, and I was guilty of this, you find, you find yourself with those moments and you don't know what to do. And you just, you, you kind of feel like at, at loose ends. So, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's about to be, it's about to get easier. It is, but I think it's so funny, Sarah, that you mentioned at the beginning how you you work so hard to get those naps lined up or whatever it is. And it's just a microcosm. It's just like a like a metaphor for parenthood yeah. in general is that you're going to work really hard to get something to a, a bliss spot and that's going to last like three months. And yeah. then you're going to have to work hard to get yourself to a new spot. Like it's, that's just how it is. And that's just like the ongoing challenge. Yeah. Um, I wanted to address um, the end of the day comment. And I think everything yeah. Sarah said is really smart. And I um, and I feel like you're the master of like dealing with nap transitions and things like that, Sarah. But I do want to talk about the end of the day thing, because to me, when my kids started to reduce or drop nap times during the day, I felt like I started running out of steam like two hours earlier yeah, yeah. than I would otherwise have. So Usually I used to be able to sail like when I had a toddler who was sleeping like a two to three solid block of time during the day and maybe even having another nap, you know, earlier in the day, um, I could sail right through bedtime. And I was like, cheerful, you know, <laughs> when naps are abundant, yeah, uh, I felt I had abundant energy. And then when naps went away, that energy started scaling back and back and back to where it's seven o'clock and I am super grumpy. So you may also need to adjust your expectations of yourself for the end of the day. Uh, maybe building some rest in, maybe just creating a more easygoing evening yeah. so that whatever it is you've been expecting of yourself to be able to do, um, 
you know, in that last little stretch, that last little like, little bit of time you have, maybe that goes away for a little while. Mm-hmm. Because what you don't want to do is have that feeling of dread starting at about four mm-hmm. that you know you're going into the rough time of the day and then feel like you're just hanging on at the end of your rope for most of the second half of your day. You don't want that. So maybe figure out a way, whether it's like closing your eyes for 15 minutes, um, after dinner, whether it's maybe easing up on your expectations of yourself, if it's asking your spouse for more help, mm-hmm. um, if it's just like making like super streamlining, uh, simplifying and streamlining your bedtime routine, which we've talked about fairly recently, I feel like um, just how bedtime can look very different depending mm-hmm. on where you are in your life. Maybe that's also a way for you to just not feel quite so at loose ends yeah. about the fact that your daytimes are changing because everything plays into everything. Yeah. And I, I really experienced that as my kids started to go to bed later because I just for years, I mean, a decade, I had set my energy tank to basically like expire at like seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. Yeah. And, and then what happened is my kids started to go to bed later and I found myself like antsy and grumpy from like, like you said, in that last couple hours of the day, because I had trained myself that I can't relax until they're all asleep. Well, that's not actually true at the, at the ages my kids are now, I could have a glass of wine or a mug of tea and put my feet up and read at six 30 when they're all messing around after dinner And then I could get my second wind and, you know, yeah, they're not in their rooms until later than it used to be. But just like Allison was saying, when you've planned your respite or your recharge time around a certain, you know, expectation and that changes, you have to find that somewhere else. And I think I think she's really smart to have realized that needs to happen. So, yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And thank you to our listeners who sent in questions. Keep those questions coming and we will keep these types of episodes coming as well. Um, Also, before we go, we just want to remind everybody to check out our sponsor, Dermatology. That's dermatology spelled with no vowels, D-R-M-T-L-G-Y. And the skincare starter bundle that they have put together for us. You can check that out at themomhour.com slash skincare such a good deal for really great products and they'll ship right to your door with free shipping so you don't have to worry about leaving the house right now to take care of your skin yeah again that's the momhour.com skincare for a great deal with dermatology and we'll be back with you soon with another all new episode talk to you then Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor Erica to help them unplug that is amazing Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. 
Well, you know, I am fan number one of the teas made. It's got such a cozy vibe and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines and home and family life. Just look for the teas made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes. 